Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 8, and we are recording on Tuesday, September 12th. I'm Katie McLean, along with Rincey Abraham, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm, uh, well, I'm pretty good. Um, my... My boyfriend's out for the for the evening. He's at his parents' house, and that's not why I'm doing pretty good. Um, <laughs> but um, but I just I realized this this evening that when he's when he's gone, I'm in charge of cat wrangling, mm. and I forgot how difficult that is when you don't have another person in the house. So I'm trying to give one cat his insulin. I'm trying to chase the other cat away from the window because she's developed this obsession with a field mouse that comes by the window. Yeah. And I can't get her to eat sometimes. And so it was there was a lot of cat wrangling before I jumped on to record. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty hectic. I have none of those issues because I have no pets, but I can only imagine what that's like. Yeah, yeah. I've I've had cats my whole life, and these two are, um, they're they. I love them to death, and they're very sweet. But I'm sure, as many cat owners know, they're little turds. So <laughs> love them to pieces. But oh my goodness, it's times like this where I'm like, okay, I need my boyfriend to come back home now so he can help me wrangle the cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, So before we jump into the episode, uh, we have a little bit of a teaser for you guys. Uh, We have we meaning Book Riot has a new podcast uh, that they recently dropped called Recommended. You may or may not have heard of it. Um, But basically, the way this podcast is set up is they're interviewing a bunch of different really interesting people and asking them to recommend a single book to everyone out there. Um, we have a little bit of a teaser clip here, which I'm really excited about. And Katie, did you listen to Recommended yet? I haven't had a chance to, no, but I was super excited when I heard about the premise of it. Yeah, I listened to the first episode and it's really good. And I mean, I'm as I'm sure all of us are as we listen to bookish podcasts. I just really love listening to people talk about books that they really love. And so like hearing the way uh, these people just talk about these books we're not I'm not going to say like who the two guests are for the first episode or what the book is you can listen to the teaser and see if you can figure it out yourself Uh, but yeah it's just so much fun and I feel like I'm going to end up getting so many great book recommendations just listening to this podcast so yeah here we'll have um, a little bit of a clip from episode one for you guys to check out I think that the great American novel for the 21st century has to be science fiction to some degree And I think that's because America is a science fictional country. I think it has been for a long time. And so you have to be able to talk about the future. You have to have a a rigorous vision of the future. If you're just sort of dwelling in the past and, you know, turning the same stone over in your hands, you know, again and again and again, I think you can do interesting work that way. But um, it's not the Green American novel. I am convinced that is the real great American novel for the 21st century. Um, I will not be satisfied until people are reading it in school and writing about it, because I think it has everything to say about America, um, its past, its future, and yeah, it's fantastic. All right, and then let's see. And you want to go ahead and give us our first sponsor, and then we'll get into this amazing, awesome episode. All right, so our first sponsor for this episode is Good Me, Bad Me by Allie Land, and that's from Flatiron Books. Um, This is a thriller, and you are following this girl named Millie. Now, Millie's mother is a serial killer, and though Millie loves her mother, the only way to make her stop is to turn her into the police. So after she turns her into the police. Millie is given a fresh new start, a new identity, a home with an affluent foster family and a spot in an exclusive private school. Uh, But obviously Millie has secrets in her life and life at her new home becomes extremely complicated. So as her mother's trial looms and Millie is a star witness in the trial, uh, she starts to wonder how much she's like her mother, how much of her is nature and how much of her is nurture and whether she's doomed to turn out like her mother in the end. Uh, So the book asks questions like when these tensions rise and Millie feels trapped, um, she's going to just have to make some difficult decisions. Is she going to be good? Is she going to be bad? Uh, Because she is her mother's daughter. So again, that is Good Me, Bad Me by Allie Land. And thanks so much to Flatiron Books for sponsoring the show. 
I read the description of this book and I'm like, oh my gosh, this sounds like a cross between I Hunt Killers by Barry Liga and Heartsick by Chelsea Kane. And Ooh. I am I am there for both of those books. So I am really excited to read this one. Yeah, I really like books about ser- serial killers, uh, which sounds really, you know, creepy. But I mean, it's really fascinating to get inside their head. So I think this sounds really interesting, especially thinking like, this is someone who could potentially become a serial killer. So it's like getting in their heads before they actually th- could or could not make that choice. So, yeah. Well, don't worry. You won't get any judgment for me. I'm, I'm the creepy one. So <laughs> that is true. If, if there's one place where I could talk about enjoying serial killer books, it feels like a murder podcast. Well, not a murder podcast, a murder books podcast. <laughs> oh. Oh, Let's make man. that distinction right here. We're talking about murder books only. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, (laughs) speaking of creepy, um, I am, I know I was telling you, Rincey, I am super excited about this episode because uh, we are talking about Stephen King and mainly because, well, A, it was just released last week in theaters and it was a huge hit. Um, But 2017 is really has been the year of Stephen King in terms of the number of books of the number of his works that are being adapted into uh, movies and TV shows, even ones that are being that, like, um, well, actually, well, yeah, I guess uh, adaptations that are being redone, it being the primary one uh, since it was originally a miniseries in 1990. But we just thought it was really fitting to talk about Stephen King for this episode. And if you could not tell by my excited voice, I worship the ground that Stephen King walks on, so... <laughs> I am so excited to talk about Stephen King. Yeah, it was funny because when we were talking about uh, what we should talk about for the episode, like brainstorming ideas, I was not expecting such a like I knew you like Stephen King. So I was like, okay, I know she'll be able to, you know, have plenty to talk about. But I didn't realize how much of a fan you were. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I I started reading Stephen King when I was uh, 14. I was in high school and I had been asking my mom for a while to, like, please, can you let me read Stephen King? Please, can you let me read Stephen King? And she had read a a few of his books when when she was that age, and she said, no, they're traumatizing, and they're way too scary, and you're not reading them. But then I started watching, that was kind of around the time I really got into horror movies, and finally she said, you know what, I just don't care anymore. (laughs) You can read Stephen King. So I picked up The Shining, and I was completely and utterly hooked from that point forward. And yeah, since then, Stephen King has just been my, has been my idol. And I, yeah, I've read, I have not read all of his books. There are still, there are still some that I haven't gotten to yet, but um, I've read, a, I've read a lot of his stuff. I own most of his books. They're on a, they're on several shelves on my bedroom wall, just these giant hardcover copies of, of Stephen King novels. Um, so yes, I was very excited when you, when you suggested we talk about Stephen King, cause the thought hadn't even occurred to me. <laughs> so I was like, yay. Yeah. And I'm kind of coming at this from like, the completely opposite end of the spectrum. I have read a couple of Stephen King books, but I avoided him for most of my life because I'm a big baby. Um, and so I knew like that his he was known for his horror stuff. Uh, it's actually funny because I have like a very distinct memory of like being at my cousin's house as a little kid. I must have been like four or five years old because when, oh, I don't remember when did it originally come out 1990 yeah so yeah I was right around that age and so I have like a very distinct memory of like my sisters and my cousins watching it together in the living room and like walking into the living room seeing what was on the screen and getting freaked out and like running away um so that was my first exposure to Stephen King uh but then like obviously as I grew up I learned more about like his various adaptations and I just don't do well with horror so I mostly avoided it and then it wasn't until like high school when I found out that he had books that weren't just like straight horror books uh so that was finally when I started to turn around and see uh what else he had to offer and I started to finally like read some of Stephen King's works uh so which ones have you read um so the ones that I've read are uh The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon was my first one uh-huh and then I read Joyland recently. Um, I read 
the is a Rita Hayworth in the Shawshank Redemption. It's mm-hmm. like that short story collection because there's a couple of short stories in there. Um, and then I read there's another one that I've read that I cannot remember off the top of my head. But yeah, I mostly like I basically just wait and see how people talk about his books. And I'm like, if they say they're really creepy, I just stay away. But if they say they're just like suspenseful, then I'll be like, OK, maybe I'll check that one out. I do. Re- the one I want to read, I think the most right now is Mr. Mercedes, because that one I feel like will also be up my alley, even though it is borderline potentially too creepy for me. <laughs> no, that one is definitely there's a lot of suspense in that one. Um the other one and I'll um I'll talk about it a little bit more in detail later in the show, but the other one that I um cuz I most of my friends are much more along along your lines. They they hear Stephen King and they go no way. So I've I I've kind of made it my goal to be like, okay, now I know you think Stephen King writes horror, but try this one. You might actually like it. And the one that I've one of the ones that I've had the most success with is 112263. Mm. I mean, that one is I mean, it's not horror in any sense. I mean, it's it's a bunch of stuff going on, but it's really just this amazing story. Um so if you if you feel like you're up to it because uh, it's like 800 pages or something like that, um that one's that one's really amazing. Yeah, I've heard really good things about that one and that is one I like cuz I didn't it's technically like historical fiction cuz it takes place on the day that Kennedy gets assassinated, right? That's like it's, the premise. Yeah, it's about the Kennedy assassination, but it takes place like a few years beforehand and it's about the character kind of making his way through this world and after he goes back in time, but also kind of gathering notes and watching as events unfold and trying to understand, you know, kind of what's, you know, what's going on, what events are leading to other events. Um, So yeah, it's like, it's historical fiction with time travel and suspense. Okay. But it's, it's a really like, I'm, I'm all for Stephen King's horror novels and I easily put eleven twenty two sixty three in my top five Stephen King novels of all time. Ooh, now I feel like I need you to rank. Like, what are your top five? Oh, well, number one would be It. Okay. And I have to say, I saw It on Friday night. I'm still not quite over it. <laughs> <laughs> I cried coming out of the theater. Wow. And I mean, it wasn't just. I mean, it was terrifying. Make no mistake, I was I was legitimately scared out of my skull. But I've read it so many times, and that is probably one of my favorite books of all time. Like, like I'm just I, that one. I just I love that book so much, and seeing the, an adaptation that really did it justice. Because um, I'm I don't I make no secret about the fact that I hate the original mm. miniseries. Um, but yeah, that one was that one was. It was it was such an amazing, terrifying, emotional experience that my boyfriend and I, we came out of the theater and he's looking at me. He's like, are you OK? And I'm like, I've got to get out of here without crying. I'm not going to cry in front of everyone. So I got in the car and he's like, are you OK? And I'm like, I just have a lot of feelings. <laughs> so so I, I mean, I, I just love that movie. But yeah, I would say. It, um, and then in no particular order, because I, I really don't think I could rank them accurately, I'd have to say The Shining, 112263, Pet Cemetery, and, oh boy. Oh. I would have to get back to you on the fifth one. I would take too much time thinking about it. <laughs> Who gets that coveted last spot? <laughs> Maybe maybe I'll think about it and then I will update on the next episode. There you go. <laughs> um, so did you see that? Okay, so obviously I've never seen it or like any of these horror things, but I didn't realize it was a miniseries back in the 90s, like the original one. And then so I was like really confused when I started seeing news about there being like a chapter two. And I was like, oh, what is ha-? so how so i do you know like how many episodes was the original 1991 and then like how does it compare to what was covered in the film the new film well the the original miniseries was i want to say i can tell you how many i think it was uh crud was it six i feel like it was the six episodes or six hours? I can't okay. remember which it was. Yeah, something um, along those lines, though. 
Yeah, but I mean, the basic story of it, there's there's half of it that takes place in 1958, and the other half takes place in the mid-80s. And the miniseries covered it, covered that in pretty much the same way that the book did, kind of alternating between timelines, between the characters, and then, like, the past and the present set, like, ultimately, you kind of, you're alternating as these two timelines are coming to this, to the same point, which is them going into the sewers to fight the creature. Um, This, the movie version um, that just came out, part one focused primarily when all of the characters were kids, instead of alternating back and forth like the book and the miniseries did. So chapter two is going to be, um, it's going to be about those same characters coming back to Derry based on the promise that they made when they were young that if it wasn't dead that they would come back and kill it. And they, I was reading an article that um, that there's still going to be a fair amount of there's still going to be some back and forth between the past and the present, and that the the actors that they had for this movie to play the kids are still going to be um, playing roles in the second movie and as they as the characters experience flashbacks and remember things that happened before, um, but it's going to be focused primarily on their on the adult sequence of events. So it doesn't do as much uh, back and forth action as the book and the miniseries did. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, And I'm actually, I'm glad that they did it this way. Um, I mean, the book, I love the structure of the book. It's just, it's so rich and there's so much story and you really get to see how things play off of each other. But in terms of a movie, I think it's simpler. And I think if they had gone back and forth during the actual movie it would have just it would have felt too unfocused so i'm glad that they were just able to focus on like one one timeline um yeah and it was it was really scary (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean honestly like the trailer alone freaked me out i mean even just like the promo material freaked me out there's this one story i was talking to my friends about it this weekend because one of my friends is like legit scared of clowns so she's obviously not going to see it but she we were talking about it in general and she was saying how i think it was in seattle um as part of like a viral marketing campaign they were tying red balloons to sewer grates (laughs) Yes, I heard about that. And I think like the police department themselves like actually got freaked out and was like, please stop doing this. (laughs) You know, funny story really quickly. Um, My boyfriend, he this was, I think, before people had started doing this. But at his at his office, uh, it was someone's birthday. And I don't know if he had just come back in from lunch or if he was alone in the building for whatever reason, but he looked out of his office and out in the cubicles, there's you just see one red balloon just kind of bobbing above the cubicle wall. <laughs> and he took a picture of it and showed it to me. I, um, and I just said, that is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. And it was not staged. That's just what it was. So yeah. I, I think that makes it even creepier. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man. All right. Um, so there, like we said, there's like a million different Stephen King adaptations that it seems like are coming out this year. Um, we already talked about Mr. Mercedes in an earlier episode where because the trailer had come out uh, close to one of the episodes. So we talked about that one um, in a previous episode, if you guys are interested in hearing our thoughts on that. But there, the Dark Tower series, I think, is out, right? Yeah, that came out in July. And from what I have not seen that one yet, but from what I heard, it did not do very well. Yeah, I heard it didn't do very well either, which made me very sad because I just was excited that Idris Elba was in another movie. But <laughs> I know I was really excited when I heard that they they had cast him for that role. Um, and it's it sounds like the that they the filmmakers had a lot of opportunities that they did not take advantage of with the source material and the talent that they had hired. Um, but but that I mean, that that one did come out. Um, and then also. Oh, I'm now, and of course, now that I'm talking about it, I can't remember. I think it's, is it a Netflix movie? I can't remember, but uh, Gerald's Game, which is one of his lesser known books, um, came out in the mid 90s. And that one, I think, um, that's one of the, one of the ones that I have not read yet. But the, I mean, the basic premise is very, you know, it's very simple. The man and woman, they have a cabin in, you know, an isolated cabin in the woods and they go there and they are trying to kind of rekindle their marriage and their 
passion and to spice things up. He pulls out a pair of handcuffs, cuffs or cuffs his wife to the bed. But before he can unlock the handcuffs, he dies very suddenly. And so his wife is handcuffed to a bed alone in the middle of the woods and is not sure how she's going to free herself and survive. <laughs> yeah, I watched the trailer for that one. And who boy, even that is just like too much for me. I can't. <laughs> it, I just checked and it is going to be a film on Netflix. Uh, but yeah, it, it looks so intense because, I mean, basically she starts to like lose her mind a little bit because she doesn't know how she's going to escape. Obviously, she has no access to like food or water. Um she can't really rest because she has no idea like if anyone's around how she's going to get out anything it's just yeah it it looks like the ultimate like psychological thriller yeah and I um I, I, I noticed that, I mean, Stephen King is really known for writing these epic, really massive, sprawling stories, but he, I, he also has several books that are just, they are short, and they are tight, and they are about survival, and they are some of the most intense things that you'll ever read, like, um, Gerald's Game sounds like it would be up there, Misery, Cujo, these were all, you know, just really really short and suspenseful and horrifying stories about about people trapped in these in these really terrible situations whether it's from a from an obsessed number 1 fan which I would like to point out I am not that obsessed number 1 fan so please do not <laughs> please do not start comparing me to Kathy Bates in Misery <laughs> Um, whether, but whether the character is held captive by a person or a rabid dog, but he, he can really cut to the bone with these, with these really, with these really intense stories. Yeah. I think those are the ones, uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm a pretty, I, I don't deal well with jumpy things in general. Like even like if someone like walks around the corner and like says my name and I what didn't realize that they were there, I'll like scream. So <laughs> I shouldn't say that like those contained I think the contained ones are really interesting to me because it really forces uh, the characters to make these like really difficult decisions like I feel like in like if you think of like a typical horror story like a lot of it's just like adrenaline based but these like more contained stories are a lot more like uh, it requires more like thought from the character like they basically just go crazy inside their own heads which i think is like even more terrifying so yeah there's i mean there's you can hide from a monster but you can't really hide from yourself exactly um well i mean since we're kind of already on the subject let's um what are some of your favorite or least favorite adaptations however many i don't know how many you've seen or whatever but why, I was going to say, why don't you talk about some of some of your favorite adaptations? Yeah, so I haven't seen a whole lot because, again, I'm a baby. Uh, so <laughs> I didn't, uh, I don't, like, seek out the really scary ones. But I will say, like, the very, my all-time favorite movie is Shawshank Redemption. Um, I saw that when I was, like, 14 or 15 years old. Uh, I think I was around that age when I, like, originally came out and I didn't realize it was a Stephen King adaptation until way later too Uh, but that movie is brilliant that story is brilliant Um, I'm surprised by how good both the short story holds up as well as the movie like usually it's one is better than the other but they each kind of hold their own ground even though they are also very similar Um, but yeah that's literally my all-time favorite movie so and the fact that it's a Stephen King adaptation means that it's automatically my all-time favorite Stephen King adaptation. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just so smart and thoughtful. And I have also really enjoy stories that take place in prisons. Like I think uh, the way that prisons affect people um, and it changes them and it forces them to look at the world differently and the world ends up looking at them differently after they've been to prison. Like all of those different ideas I think are really, really interesting. Um, But there's also a lot of like heart to the story, which is not something that is automatically thought of when it comes to Stephen King. But Stephen King does do that quite a bit too. Um, He does that really well. Like he creates really interesting characters, but he also has a lot of really interesting discussions or like he covers a lot of really interesting topics that have to deal with like, the human condition and heart and the way that we treat other people and stuff like that. So yeah, that's definitely my all-time favorite. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I love 
the Shawshank Redemption. That that to me is that is is one of my all time favorite movies too. It's just such a good story, and I love and I love uh, busting that out at parties with people. They're like, "Oh God, you read Stephen King?" I'm like, "Well, did you like the Shawshank Redemption?" They're like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "Yeah, that was totally Stephen King." So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I love what you said. He he really does. He writes very authentically. And there's, I mean, there's a lot to talk about with some of his books. And I think there are some books there, I mean, obviously there are books that he's more successful with than others um, and other stories that, that work better than others. But Shawshank, it, like you said, it has a lot of heart. It, um, it has these, these really authentic, meaningful characters and, it's it's just it's one of it's one of those books that it tugs at your heartstrings, but not in a way that feels sappy. It just feels very very real and like bittersweet, and it's it's really amazing when an when an author can do that can do that well. That's one of the reasons why I love it so much because I mean it's this terrifying novel about a monster, but is also about childhood and growing up and what that means and becoming an adult and friendship and it's 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 just. It, it gets you in the feels. Yeah, that's <laughs> to, to for put, sure. To put this in the most inelegantly way possible, it just gets you in the feels. So yeah, I am totally 100% with you on Shawshank. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of least favorites, I mean, there have been, unfortunately, a lot of really bad Stephen King adaptations out there. Um, I don't know if you watched Under the Dome. Uh, I, yeah, I did not. I read the book, but I I was not interested in seeing the TV series. Um, I've, I have not been overall a fan of his stuff that's been adapted for TV. Yeah, I think most of his TV stuff ends up being really, really poorly done. Um, but yeah, Under the Dome is the stupidest show I've ever seen. <laughs> I haven't read the book, so I'm not like passing judgment on the book itself. Uh, I don't know how closely I followed it, but it was so poorly done. There's actually um, this uh, website, like a TV covering website called Previously.TV, and they have like a podcast, uh, a weekly podcast. And so one of the people on the podcast covered under the dome every week and i would after like i watched a couple of episodes and i was like okay this is stupid but then i would always read her recaps and she would like get so angry and like every time they renewed it for another season she got like more angry because she's like they're making me like i have to keep watching the stupid show to cover it for this website and why do they keep renewing it so i mainly just know about under the dome because of those recaps uh <laughs> which were hilarious and amazing but yeah it, it's so stupid they <laughs> so stupid <laughs> yeah i have not seen the show i read the book a long time ago um when it first came out i remember telling my parents because i was going to be uh i was going to be flying somewhere and uh, soon after christmas and spending a lot of time with layovers in airports i said you know it'd be a really good present is that new 1000 page stephen king novel to keep me occupied so i remember reading or i would say, and this was probably Oh gosh, I think yeah, this would this would have been probably about eight years ago. So I have not read it since then. I remember enjoying it. It wasn't my favorite, but you know, it was you know it was solid as as Stephen King stories go. But yeah, TV show, I I'm not surprised to hear it was not. It was not good. <laughs> um, for me, I like I was thinking about adaptations, and like there are some that I like. Like I I like the adaptation of Pet Cemetery. It's '80s cheesy, but. I think it still works, and I like The Shining, the uh, the original Shining, not the miniseries. The miniseries is terrible, um, and I know that it's very different than the book. And Stephen King hey, it really does not like the the original Shining, but I still love it. But when I was thinking about the ones that have been adapted, the the stories that I think have that have really worked the best for me. Uh, the first one was The Mist, which, and not the TV series, which again, was recently uh, done either last year or this year. Um, but the movie that came out in 2007 about, I mean, it's a small town, there's a big storm, everyone goes to the grocery store to, for supplies because their power's out and they need stuff. And while they're in there, a mist the mysterious mist comes out from the mountains and the lake, covers the town, and brings with it a bunch of Lovecraftian monsters that attack everyone. And it's such a bizarre premise, but in the story, it works really well. And the movie, I think, really, really, it did such a good job. It's It has psychological horror. It has 
it has these giant weird multi-dimensional monsters it's gory it's suspenseful the ending which this is one of the few instances where i actually like the ending of a movie better than i like it in the book ooh yes now i will say I will not give away the ending for either, but when I went to see it with some friends in the theaters, I was not the one to suggest going to see this movie, but the movie ended, and I will just say it is a very, very, it you, there's, doesn't leave you with a lot of hope at the end, and the movie ended, and all of my friends turned to me and went, Katie, why did we go see this movie? And I said, it wasn't my idea. <laughs> and they said, but you're the one who likes this type of stuff. I'm like, why is that my fault? So I, me being the dark, demented, twisted little being that I am, I really liked the ending of The Mist, the the film version. And that's one where uh, Blaine and I, if we're having a date night, scary movie date night, we did a, we did a double creature feature on Valentine's Day a couple years ago. And The Mist was one of the movies that we watched. There's so many things about that story. That's amazing. <laughs> and the other one that I really, that I really like was uh, Secret Window, which came out in mid-2000s with Johnny Depp. And I know Johnny Depp has his own set of problems right now. But this, before all of this really became an issue, I, I watched like every movie that Johnny Depp was in. And I love Secret Window. It's you know, the story of an author who one of his... Uh, one of his readers accuses him of plagiarizing plagiarizing a story, and then this reader kind of worms his way into the author's life and starts, you know, he feels like the author feels like the guy's stalking him, and he thinks he's breaking into his house, and it's a very psychological suspense novel. And I think the movie did a really, again, did a really good job of keeping, you know, keeping it simple, keeping the focus on, you know, without not getting too distracted. And again, this is one where I like the ending in the movie better than I like the ending in the book. So, yeah, I actually saw Secret Window. I didn't realize uh, that it was a Stephen King adaptation, but I saw you you put it. Yeah, but I saw you put it in the notes. Uh, And yeah, it it was really, really good. And yeah, it was kind of during like peak Johnny Depp, like in terms of like post pirates peak Johnny Depp. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, I was in the same boat where I was basically just watching everything that he put out. And I was, yeah, I really enjoyed Secret Window. It's, It's a really great, if you like suspenseful movies, then this is definitely one to check out if you haven't seen it already. Yeah. And then you can, and then you can read the novella that it's based on and then decide which ending you like better. Yeah. I feel like now I want to pick up the novella just to see what it's like. Yeah. And granted, I have not read the novella in about, probably about 10 years. So I may be off on certain things. I might have a different feeling towards the ending, but I remember at the time reading it and going, nah, I liked the movie better. So uh, so you can take that for whatever it's worth. And then for, for me, I mean, I already went to, talked about how much I hated the miniseries version of It, but that was also because I saw it when I was a teenager after I had read the book a few times and I was just sorely disappointed. But the other one that I really cannot stand, and I've tried watching it a couple times and I can't do it, is Children of the Corn. Oh my God, that movie is so dumb. <laughs> I don't know how it's, well, I know how it spawned like five or six sequels because that's just what horror movies do. But the original was, I, Oh God, I hated the characters. They had, they, these kids talk, they, they sounded so weird and it wasn't scary. And the main evil kid looks like, looks, looks like he's like 10 going on 80 (laughs) And he's got a weird black hat, and he just talks really goofy, and I I hated it. Oh, Oh. man, that's great. Okay, Uh, I'm done. I finished my rant. All right. Well, moving on. Uh, let's we can do this relatively quickly. Um, you already listed what your sort of like top five was, but since Stephen King has such a large bibliography i know at least definitely for me i always felt slightly intimidated by his works just because you who know like where do you start when it comes to stephen king like he has so many books out there and how do you find ones that work for you especially because he like he obviously does horror he does suspense but like you know dark tower is a little bit fantasy and there's like a bunch of different genres that he's touching a lot of times so it's sort of like where do you start with stephen king 
Yeah, and there really isn't necessarily a best place to start. I I mean, I start people like who come into the library and ask. I start them with The Shining because that's what I started with. But it also is important to keep in mind that The Shining is does feel very dated. So if you're a teenager, The Shining may feel a little too old to really be scary. I mean, it terrified me when I when I was a freshman in high school, but it may not work the same way with with teenagers nowadays, but it's still a really solid place to start. Um, I've suggested Pet Cemetery just in terms of its general, if its overall creepiness, and it does a really good job at building the ominous, suspenseful feel of the book until the last half when it, everything that can, that can go wrong does go wrong, and it just and the then then the story just gets progressively more and more horrifying. And so I really love the setup of that book. Um, I've recommended Misery because it's short for people who don't who are intimidated by the length of some of his books, and it's a short, simple story with a lot of suspense. It's creepy, but it's also got a very... Um, it's got a couple of very interesting characters. And the one that I do want to put out, one of my favorite books of his that no one ever talks about is from A Buick 8. And I have really grown to love that book. It's the story of a boy who... Uh, whose father works er, was a Pennsylvania state police officer, and he's killed in the line of duty. And about a year after that, his son, who's about 17, 18, he's been, you know, he spent a lot of time at the police force, and he really gets to know these police officers. And he asks them, hey, why do you have that old car in the shed out on the property? And it comes to find come to find out this car was abandoned years years ago, like probably twenty years ago. But it's not any old car. It's like a portal to another dimension, and like from time to time, it will spit out these creatures that again are very Lovecraftian, very very bizarre. You know, just not of this world, and. It will also suck things into it. Things, including certain people, will just disappear. And all people know is that they were they were last seen in the vicinity of the car. And so it's this creepy story, but it's also about family and telling stories and passing traditions and legends down from one generation to another. It's about the nature of obsession and how... The, these mysteries of life, whether they're small or they're huge, like this car that's not really a car, but that's all they can describe it as, it, how it can take hold of your mind and your life and how it can just drive you to obsession. And it's just a beautifully told story. And it's all the police officers sitting around and sharing stories about things that happened. It's fantastic in print. It's fantastic in audio. I just love it, and it's if it's really good because at that point in his career, Stephen King, I think, had really worked out a lot of the kinks in some of his writing. So if you just want a good, solid, polished horror story that is more than a horror story, this book is fantastic. Um, and then... And then obviously we're and we talked a lot about the mystery and suspense novels too for people who aren't into the horror like we talked about the girl who loved Tom Gordon and eleven twenty two sixty three and Mister Mercedes Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption I mean I think those are all really good starting points for anyone who hasn't read Stephen King yeah I think again there's something sort of out there for everyone I feel like Stephen King is one of those authors that everyone should sort of give a try I, I won't say that he's for everyone because I don't think there is ever a single author out there who everyone in the world will love uh, but I think that again he's tr done enough stuff and he's crossed so many different genres that I feel like there probably is something that you depending on what you enjoy in your mysteries or thrillers or suspense books you'll probably find at least one that works for you Definitely. So, yeah, go out and read a Stephen King novel if you haven't. And if you have and you love Stephen King as much as much as I do, hit me up on Twitter and we're going to talk about Stephen King. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> think there'll be plenty of people out there who are very excited about Stephen King books <laughs> and will be happy to talk to you about that stuff. <laughs> Yay!
All right, so let's move on. I'll uh, I'll go ahead and do our second sponsor before we go into the new releases segment. But our second sponsor for today is Dead in the Water by Denise Swanson. And this is the first book in a brand new series that takes place in an already established town called Scumble River. And the book is involves it's a twister, a kidnapping, and a murder. Oh my. <laughs> And Scumble River may never be the same. So there's Sky Dennison, who's a school psychologist, and she there's no place like home for her. Scumble River is is where is where home is for her. And when a violent tornado just tears apart her hometown, she can't see how the community will recover, especially since the town councilman Zeke has apparently died in the storm. But things get worse for Skye when her husband, who is the police chief, disappears in the midst of investigating Zeke's death. And so they have to ask, did Zeke really die in the storm or was he murdered? And is her husband Wally next on the criminals list? So this is part, like I said, it's part of an established universe, essentially. The original Scumble River Mysteries began in 2000. And it's and it falls definitely falls within the cozy mystery genre. So if you're a cozy mystery fan, this would be a really good one to pick up. Whether you've read the series, uh, read the previous series or not, this is kind of like a new starting point. But uh, Denise Swanson, she's a New York Times bestselling author. She's been nominated for uh, for the Agatha Award, the Mary Higgins Clark Award, so just really big honors. And the Chicago Tribune, in particular, called the Scumble River series endearing, quirky, and a delight. So if you're, like I said, if you're into cozies, if you like quirky, fun characters, this would be a great series to pick up. And again, that is the first book in the new series is called Dead in the Water by Denise Swanson. All right. Uh, So let's jump into the new releases. Uh, So these are books that either came out this week or it's coming out this coming Tuesday. Uh, the first one is the book I'm probably the most excited about for the fall for sure in terms of mysteries. Definitely also the year, I think. Uh, and that is Bluebird, Bluebird by Attica Locke. That This came out on September 12th. So as you are listening to this, uh, this book is already out. We have sung Attica Locke's praises multiple times on this podcast. If you haven't picked her up yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. Uh, She has a new one out, though. So this might be a good starting place. This is a standalone mystery. And you are following this man named Darren Matthews. He lives in uh, East uh, East Texas, and he is a black Texas Ranger. Uh, so he grew up in Texas. He was very ambivalent about growing up in the state, and he wanted to get away from Texas. So he was the first one in his family to try to leave the area. But then duty ends up calling him home. Uh, so when his allegiance to his roots puts his job in jeopardy, he ends up traveling up to the small town in Texas called Lark, where there have been two murders. One is a black lawyer from Chicago and the other is a local white woman. And it's basically stirred up all this resentment within the town. So Darren has to solve the crime as well as save himself in the process before all of this town's long simmer- simmering racial fault lines are Corrupt. Uh, so this is being described as a rural noir uh, infused with unique music, color, and the nuance of East Texas. Uh, and Attica Locke herself, I believe, is from Texas, but she just does a fantastic job of writing really great mysteries, but also uh, she always features a person of color, usually a black uh, person, as like the main character. And she does a really great job of tying in race in the United States into her the story without it being like too like heavy handed or preachy or anything like that Um, just like uh, it is for a lot of black people in the United States race is very much a part of their identity and the way that they live their lives and it's the same for these characters as well Um, I'm super super excited for this book Uh, again it's a standalone mystery so if you haven't read Etika Locke before this might be a really good place to start Um, I'm definitely going to be reading this one immediately Um, and again that is Bluebird Bluebird by Etika Locke and that is out now Uh, The next one also came out on September 12th, and this is Dark Chapter by Winnie M. Lee. 
Uh, this one is following a Taiwanese American tourist named Vivian who lives in London but often goes off on travels and adventures. Um, and then you are also following a 15 year old Irish teenager named Johnny who is living a neglected life on the margins of society. Uh, he grew up in a family where crime is constant uh, violence is a necessity and everything and anyone can be yours for the taking uh, for the taking um, so you follow these two characters as Vivian goes off uh, traveling through foreign countries um, she's used to basically living life on her own but all of that changes on one spring afternoon in Belfast in West Belfast when Vivian's path collides with Johnny's and there is this horrifying act of violence um, so you see all of this occur and then you're also following the aftermath of the incident where both Johnny and Vivian are forced to confront the chain of events that led to the attack uh, Vivian has to struggle to recapture uh, the person that she was before the event and the woman that she aspired to be while also dealing with a culture and judicial system that treats assault victims as less than human. Um, Johnny also must flee um, to the sanctity of uh, his Irish clan. But when he is brought to uh have to deal with his crimes uh, Vivian learns that justice is not always as swift or as fair as she would hope um, so this is apparently based on true events it sounds really interesting obviously uh, it deals with like assault and things like that as you just heard so major trigger warnings if you have issues with um, assault I'm not exactly sure what type of assault it is so I can't say uh, for sure what uh warnings I should provide but if you have uh, triggers for assault or sexual assault I would be cautious with this one uh, but again that's called Dark Chapter by Winnie M. Lee and that one is already out as well and then the final book that I wanted to talk about is The Scarred Woman and this is by Juicy Elder Olsen who is a I believe an author from Denmark um, and this is the seventh book in the Department Q series, I believe is what it's called. And this one comes out on uh, September 19th, 2017. Um, so in this series, uh, you are following like Department Q, which is Copenhagen's cold cases division. And the main detective is named Carl Mork. Um, he is forced to... Uh, confront his toughest challenge yet when the dark troubled past of one of his own team members collides with this sinister unsolved murder um, basically in a park in Copenhagen the body of an elderly woman is discovered and the case bears a striking resemblance to another unsolved uh, homicide investigation from over a decade ago uh, but the connection between the two victims really confounds the police and across town a group of young women are being hunted uh, the attacks seem random but the uh could these brutal acts of violence be related possibly? And so detective Carl Mark of department Q is charged with solving the mystery. Um, so when I was reading about this series, he got a lot of comparisons to like Steve Larson and Joe Nesba. So if those author authors are your jam, um, this might be a series worth checking out. Um, again, this is the seventh book in a series, but I don't believe that, you know, you have to read them in order. Uh, but if you are one of those people that has to read books in order, just keep that in mind as well. And again, that is The Scarred Woman. And that one came out on or is coming out on September 19th. Yeah, I've got to add all three of those books to my list. Um, well, I, Attica Lock was already on my list. I am super excited to get my hands on a copy of that one. But um, And I'm familiar with the Department Q series, but I haven't read any of them. But yeah, all of these, I was like, okay, we're going to add that to my Goodreads list. <laughs> As per usual. Um, do you want to go ahead and talk about what you have read and will be reading? Sure. Um, I haven't, I actually have not read a ton of mysteries recently because I've been rereading it. Um, and I'm more than halfway done with that. And so I've, I'm kind of plugging through, plugging through that one. But I did start listening a while ago to um, a true crime book called Lost Girls, an Unsolved American Mystery by Robert, Robert Kolker. And it's about a series of murders on Long Island in 2010. So pretty recently, there, I, I don't know what the total count was, it was four or five women were found murdered there, and they it tells their story because all of them were um, escorts or prostitutes. They would post on Craigslist, and and you know they would you know they they would 
that was what they did. And they were, you know, they're in many ways um, women who who serve as escorts or who uh, engage in prostitution are seen on the lower end of the spectrum in terms of humanity. And so the police did not put a lot of effort into finding these women or figuring out what happened. So the book, I mean, it's, you know, it's called An Unsolved American Mystery. So I know by the end of the book, we are not going to know who killed them. And I just got into the part where they're where they're starting to investigate their murders. But the first part of the book really goes into detail in each of the, in each of the women's lives and you know their childhoods and their the struggles that they faced and the reasons why they they got into prostitution. And it really gives it really gives them a lot of humanity and looks at them through a. I don't want to say a sympathetic lens because it's it's a very it's a very honest lens and it it's not it's not one that you know paints them as you know the trope of you know oh um a sinner with a heart of gold or and it's not looking down on them for for engaging in the activities that they did it's just a very real honest look at their lives and it's a really interesting read i've been listening to it on my commutes to and from work um so i'm really interested in finishing that one and then in terms of what i'm going to start i honestly have no idea but i did have um I was thinking about picking up Shiny Broken Pieces by Danielle Clayton and Sona Shirapotra because I read um, Tiny Pretty Things earlier this year that I really loved. Um, I mentioned it on the podcast, and I'm I'm kind of in the mood again for some young adult teenage ballet drama. So <laughs> I think I'm, I think I might uh, pick that one up. I'm not sure if I'm going to read it or if I'm going listen to listen to it like I did with the first one. Probably listen to it on audio because I loved it on audio so much, but... That's kind of the direction I'm leaning right now, but that could totally change by next by our next episode. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I actually finished two books since the last time that we recorded, which is a very big deal for me. Um, but I actually got sick over Labor Day weekend. Nothing major, but just had like sinus congestion and headaches. So I couldn't really like look at screens very much. Uh, so when you can't look at screens, reading a book is a great way to pass the time when you have a three day weekend. Um, so I ended up reading uh, Girl Waits with Gun by Amy Stewart, which is the first book in the series, uh, the third book in the series just came out a couple of weeks ago. We had talked about it in the last episode. And so um, I picked up the first book because I'd been hearing really good things about the series in general. And it's a really just like fun, delightful, historical fiction mystery series. Um, you are following uh, these sisters and it's it's hard to describe because like the mystery isn't necessarily like the biggest part of the story, uh, but there is a mystery that happens. And so there are these cop sisters who were one day riding in a carriage um, down the street and someone hits them with their car. And so it starts off with uh, the cop sisters basically trying to get this guy to pay for their carriage repairs and whatnot. So that way they can, you know, be able to come into town. Uh and it's sort of like everything sort of unfolds from there. Um, so the really great thing is that like the cop sisters don't follow the traditional mold. I believe this book takes place in like 1915 ish. Um, and so none of the sisters are married. Uh their mother has passed away. Um, so it's basically like these three sisters living on their own in the countryside. Um, and they're basically like forced to take care of themselves. So uh, in this one, you're following Constance, Constance cop and She's just very like headstrong. Um, she doesn't seem to have a whole lot of interest in getting married or um, typical domestic things that women are supposed to be into. Um, and so she basically makes it her mission to track down this guy to get him to uh, pay up. But it turns out that this guy might also just be a really shady character. So she gets caught up in a couple of different um, things that he may or may not be involved in. Um but yeah, it's just really, really delightful. It's a little bit of a longer book. I think it's like more than 400 pages long. And so it's not like a super fast paced mystery, but these sisters are so fantastic. And I believe that each uh, book in this series follows a different sister. Um, so I'm really excited to see sort of just where it goes. Um, yeah, it was just really, really fun. I might have a crush on the sheriff. Um <laughs> Because he was just such a sweet guy. If you read the series, you know what I'm talking about. Um, 
but yeah, it was just really good, and I highly recommend it. If you like historical fiction, if you like historical mysteries, uh, this is definitely one to put on your list. Um, and again, that was Girl Waits with Gun by Amy Stewart. Um, and then the second one that I read was Since We Fell by Dennis Lehane, which I was so surprised by. Um, I went in with relatively low expectations because I had heard such mixed things about it originally. Um, I will say it's not his like best book by any means, but it was still like a really good page turner. Um, yeah, I think that if you like sort of like the slower or not slower paced but like the slightly more uh psychological uh Dennis Lehane books then you might like this one um basically you're following this woman named Rachel who is like a journalist at like a major uh network like an NBC like a Boston uh affiliate of like NBC or something along those lines and she has sort of like this mental breakdown um but the story starts off, you basically follow Rachel throughout her life. So you get to see like this period of time um, where it's her and her mother. And then you see sort of the period of time of her as an adult and things sort of unfold in ways that were completely unexpected to me. Um, Dennis Lehane is just like a master at making you not want to put down this book. Like this book was one of those books that I literally kept being like, okay, I need to do this other thing, but I also need to know what's going to happen in this next chapter. He does the thing where like he ends every chapter basically like on a cliff ho- uh, a cliffhanger, so you want to keep reading. Um, there are so many twists and turns. It, it gets a little bit ridiculous, I will say, uh, but I was just sort of like having fun um, with this book. And I think that as long as you're willing to sort of like let any expectations go and just kind of go along with the ride. You'll have a lot of fun with it Um, because yeah, where it starts and where it ends feel like two completely different ends of the spectrum. And so like the ride to get there was just really, really fun. So again, that was since we fell by Dennis Lehane. Um, If you read this one, definitely let me know what you thought of it. I, I see that this one is very like divisive, especially if amongst like Dennis Lehane fans, but I just thought it was a fun read. So yeah. Yeah, I think I might have to pick that one up, too. I'm not a huge invested Dennis Lehane fan, but I have read a couple of his books that I liked. And I am totally down for a book that you kind of have to pry out of my hands with a crowbar. So, yeah, I um the way I talked about I did like I don't usually like write reviews on Goodreads or anything like that. I sort of just use it as like a way to remember like the books that I have read. Uh, but the way that I described it is. It felt like the book version of that metaphor where like if you want to uh, cook a frog, you like put it in a pot of like tepid water and then you slowly increase the temperature until it's like in boiling water. Um, That's what this book felt like to me because you start off in a place that seems very like basic and like standard. And then Dennis Lehane just keeps like knocking it up a degree in every chapter. And then all of a sudden you're in this place where it's boiling water. And I was just like, wow, I can't even believe we got to there. So yeah, I am down with that. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, And then quickly the two books that I have on my list, I had got bluebird bluebird from the library. I'm so proud of myself for this one. I basically put it on hold like months ago. Um, So I'm the first on the list and I didn't realize they would have it ready on release day we're recording this on its release day i didn't realize they would have it ready so fast i mean obviously like they probably ordered it way way long ago and they've just been holding on to it until they could probably release it but i got it from the library and i'm so excited and it's definitely gonna get read before the next episode because there's no way i'm waiting at all on that one um and then the other one that i'm considering is the child finder by renee denfeld um Renee Denfeld wrote this book called The Enchanted in like 2014, I want to say it came out. And it was the best book that I read that year, bar none. Um, It's not, it's kind of a mystery, but it's not really a mystery. You're basically following um, this unnamed character who is on death row and he And then there's also an investigator, um, this female investigator who works with people who are on death row to try to get them off death row. Like she tries to find a way to get them off. But when uh, the investigator comes to this unnamed character, um, he basically refuses her help. And it's like the first time that's ever happened because who wouldn't want to get off of death row? And so it's sort of this story of her following his life and digging into his life and trying to figure out like what exactly happened. And it's 
beautiful and heartbreaking and I highly recommend it. Um, but she just came out with a second book called The Child Finder, which is also supposed to be sort of a mystery, but I think it's something along the same lines where there's a little bit of a mystery, but it's a more just like a character study. Um, both of these books also deal with abuse. So just uh, trigger warnings for that. Um, but I think that she is just a fantastic, fantastic writer. I've been like anticipating this one since I heard that she was coming out with her second book. Um, this one follows, I think it's like a young girl goes um, missing one day when her family was out like choosing Christmas trees. And then um, there you're also following uh, this woman named Naomi, who is an investigator and she has been basically called to find this young girl because she has sort of like this nature for finding missing people. Um, and so I believe that you're just like sort of following Naomi as she digs into this family's life. Um, but yeah, that's all I really know about it. Um, but I, it's been getting like really good review. It's Renee Denfeld is not a very popular author. I would say like her first book has like less than 300 reviews on um, Amazon and her newest one only has like 20. I mean, it did just come out, but she's very, very underrated. Um, but if you like stuff that has, is just like absolutely heartbreaking, I think that Renee Dunfeld is definitely an author to check out. And so I'm really excited to try this one um, and see. I don't think it'll live up to The Enchanted because that one was literally like an amazing book. But if it's like comes close, I'll be excited. So all right, yeah, I, um, yeah, I was gonna say I, I, I'm adding those to my list too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, those last ones you can wait at least until I uh, read them myself, and I'll let you know if they're actually any good. <laughs> Here we go. He'll be my guinea pig. <laughs> All right, um, so that's our show. Uh, thanks so much to everyone for listening. Hopefully, you enjoyed our little Stephen King gush fest. Um, <laughs> if, for any show notes, uh, you can definitely head over to bookriot.com/slash/listen. Um, we'll have links to all of the books that we talked about. Um, we'll have a couple of links to different news stories that cover some of the adaptations, as well as a trailer to uh, Gerald's Way. If you are interested in that, um, if you enjoyed this podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that way other people can discover us especially if they are also fans of mystery thriller and suspense books um, if you want to talk to us you can find us over on twitter i am at rincy a and i'm on twitter at kt underscore library lady all right and we will talk to you guys next time bye See ya. Bye.